Brzezinski was the strategist for Jimmy Carter and convinced Jimmy Carter to say, look, uh, the Russians are dominating uh, Afghanistan with a civilian secular government. Let's create al-Qaeda. Let's uh, back Osama bin Laden and give his supporters weapons to begin fighting the Russians, and uh, we can pull a coup d'etat there, and uh, the Russians will fight back, and then we'll say the Russians invaded. And it worked. Saudi Arabia made a deal with America that they would push the Wahhabi uh, extremists, uh, the Al-Qaeda, the most right-wing wing of Islamic parties, and it worked. Uh, essentially, Al-Qaeda is a contract army uh, for the United States. Well, the same thing was happening in, in Russia. What Brzezinski wrote was that America's faced with a possibility of not being able to rule the world unilaterally. Any country's economic ability to be self-sufficient means uh, a potential military power. And in order to prevent any country from threatening America militarily, you have to prevent it from developing economically. Uh, the American nightmare, Brzezinski wrote, was that Russia would get together with Germany and with Western Europe, creating Russian raw materials, German industry, and somehow, finally, Russia would become westernized. Uh, America, uh, under Brzezinski's strategy, said this would be a disaster because if Russia's westernized, if it becomes democratic, if... if uh, uh, Europe and Russia are prosperous, then we cannot control them anymore, and they will have no reason to be NATO. We've got to stop Russia, and the place to stop this Russian-European uh, conglomeration is to split it right at the border uh, down Ukraine. Let's do in Ukraine what uh, we did in Afghanistan. Let's uh, back the crazies. Well, most of them are uh, the, the former uh, neo-Nazi groups that have been uh, uh, so prominent that fly the Nazi flag. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, January 13th, 2023. I'm thinking I said 2022 last time, maybe. I just thought I remembered that in my mind just now. Thank you for joining me today. I had a very important show today, actually. Something that I, I've been collecting, organizing for a while that builds on something we've been talking about since the beginning of the Ukraine discussion po You know, following February 24th, 2022. And it's been going on a lot longer than that. And we've made that clear in previous work in this regard. But today's just focused on what I think is the next developing stage of what was always going to be the MAGA trap, vanilla ISIS psyop, or whatever we're going to call it, which is the Nazi problem in Ukraine, or again, however you want to name these things that have very clearly been built, cultivated, organized, and is being used against anybody in this case that's going against the agenda, but right now being thrown against Russia, as well as the, you know, anybody they want to deem on the right or really anybody pushing back against the narrative in the United States, domestic terrorism, misinformation, whatever else is happening, it's all being linked in a very abstract and, and clumsy way to white supremacy and the right and alt-right, everything, you know, all the things we're hearing today. So today what I'm going to talk about is this next step, which is what you've heard me repeatedly say, this is coming, this is coming, and now I'm seeing it start to happen, which is that they will begin to try to blame this on Russia. 
the pieces were all there. The strings were already connected. I think that it was just not quickly done because of how very early on this was just, just destroyed. The narrative collapsed very early to the point to where even they were grudgingly admitting early on, well, yeah, there are Nazis, but here's why you're still wrong. So this is why it's kind of interesting to me to see them now begin to say, well, the, the Nazi problem that moments ago was not even real is now being financed and, and armed and supported by Russia because that's always been what's happening, except 30 seconds ago, it didn't exist. So it's pretty interesting to see how this is developing. Now, I'll, as always, I want you to come to your own conclusions about this and really see that this is bigger even than just foreign policy, than just Ukraine itself. There's a lot more, a lot of moving parts to this. And we're going to go over how this is being, again, in, in telling ways being overlapped with the LGBTQ plight in Ukraine. And that's how this is being framed. It's very interesting. And this overlaps with the argument that we've seen. I mean, everything you could point at right now, the equity and sustainability and the great reset and the transhumans, everything we're talking about today. I really do believe that's my opinion. I, you may not see all those pieces connecting, but I think I've done a pretty good job over the last three, four year period of patching these things together. So we're going to start today with, well, actually, I want to give a shout out to the autonomy course that just went live, but then we're going to start right out of the gate with that exact discussion, kind of giving you the pieces to pick up where we were before and then going through the, ev the evidence for yourself. Now, I, as somebody even said in the chat, it's, it's a difficult sell. I get that. I, this, th it's, it's hard for people at one angle of this to, in any sense, feel that your government is capable of something like this. That's the first thing to overcome. And then when you realize that it's pretty much the only thing they've ever really done throughout history and lied and massaged the reality, and that's any really government you look at, and this is just obvious in my opinion, that you then begin to see that what the, then the next hard sell, I guess, would be that this that the psychological operation angle, that they'd be willing to arm and fund and support and grow the worst of the worst just in order to hurt the enemy, even if that then hurts you which ultimately comes back to show you that they never really cared about your interests to begin with. You were a means to an end. And this is where this is very clear. If you just look at the history with objective perspective, because I think what we're in any case, we're seeing them use what they want. I mean, the alt-right discussion in the United States, the white supremacy, the marches, everything we see is all clearly tied back to what we've talked about, which is, the beginning, at least in this conversation, Project Aerodynamic, which is the CIA's grown fascist entity in 1948, which actually was the OSS at that point, and then post-1953, I believe it was the CIA, they continued to cultivate this. And I've shown you this on the record. Now, actually, here I'm getting ahead of myself. First of all, I just wanted to give a shout out to our new program that just went live on autonomy. Uh, and just autonomy in general, by the way, because as you know, they're supporting T-Lab now. And I really think, and Grand Theft World in general, which you Grove, they're doing great work over there. So check out this, uh, this new program. As the, uh, this, this is specifically called How to Do Objective Research uh, or Actual Tech. Oh, I guess that's not. Well, the title was How to Do Objective Research in, in a Subjective World Gone Mad, <laughs> was the whole point. And oh, it's right there. I see it. And, and the idea is just about, you know, to me, it seemed very basic. And and I go, there's a lot of things I go over, but really just trying to kind of map out how to remain objective in a time when everything's trying to pull you away from that. And it's actually more abstract than it sounds. And I, I didn't realize that until I went through it. And it's, uh, I think it's a good course. So you could check it out on here. There's a discount code if you want to reach out to me. In general, I think it's an important course, but autonomy over the top of all of that has some really great courses in general that I think you should check out. I just think, you know, educating yourself for, forward outside of a corporate setting, I think is very important. 
So check that out for yourself. Now, the point I was getting to was that this, this work in general outlines this coming back. I think, where was this? This is March 23rd, 2022, but I believe we've been talking about this quite a, quite a while before this. But these are the four articles I pulled up that I really think encapsulate this bigger picture. This one's called January 6th, the failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA Gronozov battalion. Now, I want to grab, since I don't think I remember to get it, I want to grab the document that I do think is important. If I can grab it, I don't see it popping out at me right now. Otherwise, I'll come back to it. Okay, uh, I, the, the document that I have, which is right there. Beautiful. The aerodynamic document that I was referencing. I'll show you that in just one second. The point being is that this is all tied back to the CIA's operation, which again, I'll just show you right now, I guess. Aero, Project Aerodynamic, which is where they funded, armed, and grew on the record. Well, I mean, at this case, at this point, not, but now we know because this is from at CIA.gov, a fascist entity to use against the Soviet Union. They grabbed a person named Mykola Labed, who was a Nazi war criminal. They used him, brought him over, used him in both New York and Ukraine and started a company called Prologue. You can read all about it in this document. It's very transparent. And they grew this to be used against Soviet Union. And understand, at this time even, they were using them to, you know, it's a media company in New York and Ukraine. They're spreading media. A Nazi war criminal at this stage in 1966, or actually before that, as you know, was spreading propaganda in the United States through a CIA setup front company. This, this is always what's been going on. And the point is this built, it continued to grow. This is the beginnings of the Azov movement and all the rest of the factions that split off. We see all sorts of neo-Nazi and Nazi elements right now. Svoboda, right sector. There's a lot of them we've gone over. So this is the impetus for this. This is where it began. Now the point is that you can see all of this tied directly to groups that we saw then influence the United States. As I've gone, and again, I'm briefly going over this, but all of this is listed in all of this information here. This is the document discussion, not just Azov. Documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. This is where we get into the Patriot Front, January 6th, Vanilla ISIS PSYOP, and the point we talked about here where the MAGA trap has been set, where, where Biden kind of set that tone. But the overall point being that the Azov movement has international arms. International reach. Newsweek wrote about this. We, and so even the corporate media has been forced to acknowledge that the Azov movement has neo-Nazi elements, but, you know, you just don't really understand the big picture. And, you know, Russia's bad and worse. That's kind of the general consensus of what the corporate media wants you to think. And no one's saying there's not problems in Russia or Nazis and neo-Nazis. It's all over the world. And I don't think it's actually the kind of problem they want you to think it is, but it is. you'll find it pretty much. You'll find extremist mentalities everywhere. But the Azov movement has an international arm in the United States, and that's called the Rise Above Movement, as well as other things we probably don't know about. Now, the Rise Above Movement, for those of you who heard me say this many times, just bear with me. We'll get past this first part in one second. The Rise Above Movement was the group that we all saw march in Charlottesville. The tiki torches and the they shall not replace us and all that stuff. I, I bet many people didn't know that that was, in fact, the arm of the Nazi group in, you know, in the Ukraine that the CIA built. Now, if you can't piece that together right there, that's, a, that's very hard for me to get through to you with the rest. The point, though, is that that was used, whether or not it got out of control or somebody else was to be blamed against the right. And all the MAGA and alt-right and all this stuff stems back to that. Even the cars hitting protesters and all that stems to that discussion. And we also see it happening in Germany and Italy. 
Multiple places where we see this kicking off. Casa Pound in Italy, I believe, is the name of the same group. It's all Azov Movement International Reach. So first of all, even make that make sense in your mind to some little battalion. It's not what this thing is. It's influenced the entire government, not entire, but a lot of the government, multiple media organizations, multiple, it's, it's overtaken this country, this mentality. Okay, so the point is, the January 6th, in my mind, was, was meant to be a moment where this was truly begun. This was like the 9-11 point going forward from this. And this is my opinion. Please stay through and watch all the information. You'll be quite surprised. And what happened was people didn't take the bait. But yet, weirdly, as we see, the narrative continues. They kept acting, kept saying armed insurrection. None of that happened. Because the whole argument was, I think, was this was meant to create the point at which they said, this is why Russia is such a problem. They're influencing the Nazi problem in this country, and we have to stop them. And that's why we have articles from uh, numerous aspects of the CIA elements writing on foreign policy all these different uh, not on on the, the magazine foreign policy and different outlets like that discussing pre-invasion of Russia that this was going to be an insur- or going to be a an insurrection or, or no excuse me not insurrection but a um ah, that just I said insurrection and it blanked the word dang it the, well, the point being that they were going to be invaded and then Ukraine was going to be fighting back from within Ukraine remind me of the damn word if you can for me the point being that the whole concept was that they were arguing that russia was going to take over all of ukraine and that ukraine was going to be fighting back from within like a guerrilla war kind of concept that's not what happened and i think that the ultimate game was to create the situation where all of these people were taking the bait and they could use this to blame it on them in general now we have these examples these documents for the impetus of this so let's start now with the going forward from that i i urge you to go through all the background on all the information that all those articles and plenty more went through i don't i mean i don't even know why we can even begin to argue why this isn't all we need is essentially at least ask the question whether the cia is involved with growing what's currently there despite them doing or especially when they've done the same thing around the world the most obvious example is the mujahideen in afghanistan also against the soviet union which by the way you can also find documents discussing the same tactic it's the same thing Same game. So when we start with this, I want us to think about how this is now going to be tried to be blamed on Russia, which then pieces the whole thing together. We know that the group, the base, for example, is a group that was based in the United States. And then, and worked for the United States. In fact, this guy's name is Ronaldo Nazaro. But then weirdly around 2018, just went over to Russia and started a white supremacy group. This guy literally worked for the U.S. government. He worked for the DHS, had top secret clearance, worked in the Middle East, counterterrorism measures. And, and, and by the way, the DHS confirmed in February 2021 that he did work for them. And then for some reason, just up and changed his mind and went and lived in Russia and started a white supremacy group called The Base. And you know what? As you guys know, The Base is simply the English translation of Al-Qaeda. So for those that are paying attention, all of these things, I think, are meant to be obvious. This is a a taunt, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. But how in the world that's going to make... Watch the James Corbett documentary about Al-Qaeda, and it'll make a lot more sense. But so my point is that this is all building towards something where they can blame them, despite the fact that all the evidence points very clearly back to outside of this. The only evidence they have, and Whitney Webb's covered this quite extensively in multiple conversations we've had, to argue that Russia has any kind of white supremacy or not extremist element presence in Ukraine goes back to one group, which, which by the way, you can draw parallel and lines back to the U.S. government as well. 
all the way back. And I think it was 2018 and they only represented a, a, a you know, tens of, I think it was a 10, 20, 30, so many people that were in the Donbass region. I'm not making that's that is the only thing they point at and just argue that it must have gotten bigger since then. That's not very sound. On the other side of it, as we pointed out, you can see the the the, the money, the lines, the arguments, the entire points that they've been going back for decades of building this to be used. So here we have a point a post from Adam Zibbo, who writes for National Post. Not not a small thing to one million followers, guys. And he's talking about the LGBTQ plight in Ukraine. But you you won't probably be shocked to find what every single one of them say. And then I'm going to go over the reporting about this LGBTQ issue in Ukraine, both before the invasion and after, and show you that all of it's basically being made up. I mean, it's just that simple. Let's go through it. and You can follow me. If Russia wins, it says, according to this trans individual in Ukraine, human rights will absolutely be erased in Ukraine. LGBTQ activists will be tortured. We know that our names are on a list held by Russian security forces, none of which is supported by any facts. It's just what they're being told and then being relayed to us. We know, and by the way, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think any government's beyond exactly that. But I'm going to prove to you that it's far, far more likely that it's on a Ukrainian list because they're transgender. And I'll show you that as of today. But it says, we know that they will come for us and literally kill us. And here's the important part. The far right does exist in Ukraine, but it is a small and supported. It is small and only. Excuse me. It is small and supported and financed by Russia as part of their propaganda narrative. Okay, so despite the CIA documents and the obvious continual growth of this exact problem and the U.S. open support for these Nazi elements that apparently Russia's funding, because that makes sense. Apparently. The idea is that the only thing that's there in bad Nazi style, fascist, neo-Nazi, whatever, is Russia funding them because of propaganda. You know, by the way, the same problem that didn't exist when this started. Uh, that may, It all adds up, right? Because they want Ukraine to be seen as a Nazi country, which is not true. Yeah, yeah, well, you think for yourself about that. We'll go through some facts. Now, this is what they're referencing. Now, I'll just go right to this so you can see it for yourself. Here's what it says. Again, right directly from the document. Ukrainian LGBTQ activists speak out. Now, this is from May 2022. Here's what it says. Again, just to reiterate right from the page. The far right does exist in Ukraine, but it's a small amount of people who are full of hate towards LGBTQ people. Well, by the way, that's interesting that this is not. There's no, you know, I, you know, I take issue with these small things, but these are journalistic things that, you know, he writes for National Post. I mean, this. My point being that when you quote something, when you when you put quotes, it's that's that's representing that it's exactly what was said. We just read this directly from the document, and it's very clear that there were things not le- included, but there's no like dot 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 in between. Anyway, just they're, they're getting way too fast and loose with what they claim is high level journalism these days, which probably shows you that's how they've always been. In any case, goes on to say, and who are supported by Russia and financed by Russia. Russia supports them as part of their propaganda narrative because they want Ukraine to be seen as a Nazi country, which is not true. If Russia wins, human rights will be absolutely erased in Ukraine, which, by the way, is I mean, I'm not going to say I can. I don't know. Who knows what Russia will do when they if and when that actually happens, which, by the way, two points doesn't seem to be what they're even trying to accomplish, first of all which who knows, maybe we'll be wrong when it ends up happening, especially since the Ukraine and the United States continue to poke them in every way they can to get them to keep doing stuff. Then they go, oh, look at what they just did, which is just ridiculous. 
and it's repeatedly crossing red lines over and over and over. But what we've continued to see throughout this process has been the exact opposite. Despite the claims they keep making and all the, the cries about human rights violations and massacres, and then, and then every time they end up being completely shown to be the opposite. They still argue the Bucha massacre. Wait a minute, though. Don't we know for a fact that that was completely manipulated? We do. Or the, tra the, the train station that was proven mathematically to have not even been possible to come from the area. They All these things have been discussed in high-level conversations, even quasi-mainstream elements, and they just move on. But yet, just like the Syria gas discussion, they just go, and they're responsible for gassing their people 30,000 times. Well, no, because every one of those have been shown to be not true over and over and over. People like Robert Fisk from The Independent can go there and be like, this doesn't seem to be true at all. And they just toe the line anyway. Somebody from the UN, I think her name was uh, Carla Del Ponte, I believe. She spoke up one of the earliest examples and said, no, the evidence shows that the rebels had access to that didn't change anything. Till this day, they argue every one of those was Assad because bad guy. <laughs> They just toe the line, and it's getting really embarrassing as it becomes more and more obvious. The point being, what we've seen throughout this process is Ukraine continually hurting, abusing people. And they've even been forced to admit this, assassinating POWs. And on the other side of it, we see Russia continually doing things for the areas that they're, like the Donbass, for example, or even areas that they're pushing them back from. There has been repeated reports from people like Eva Bartlett, Patrick Lancaster, Wyatt Reed, as well as others that you would argue are on the other side, showing you that they aren't just murdering everybody in the area. They're clearly helping people. Does that mean that they're not also doing bad things? My point is always that in war, these are just people. Every single individual soldier does not immediately represent the actions of the government, just like we see in the United States. But it does reflect on them because it's still their military. So absolutely, they're accountable for everything they do. But to understand that in a war, this is why war is terrible and we shouldn't support war at all. People spent, just look at the Iraq war and what the U.S. military did to people there and were ordered to do people do to people there on the record by the way there's been entire panels and tribunals about this where they've admitted and on the record said i was ordered to rape people and so on it's horrible stuff the point is that people on the ground do things like this when allowed to be in a position where it becomes lawless especially when people around them are not keeping the moral standard high so here we are in a position where we've continually seen things like this and just for the sake of the conversation of, of bucha i'll have it right here I just want people to remember how obvious this stuff is. So the argument was that Russia massacred everybody, except we then found out that the Maxar Technologies company, which, by the way, is a complete CIA cutout, was proven to not even have their satellites in the area they needed to be able to take the pictures when they said they did. So this was very clearly done. People, you, know, you have the, the satellite. I mean, bottom line was we went over this on the show. Watch the Bucha episode when we did the segment on it. On top of all of that, you have them on video moving the bodies exactly into the places they were then found in, Ukraine. And what do they say? Oh, they were just testing for bombs, you know, five feet away from them, because that makes sense. Невероятно храбрые, самые лучшие войны этого мира в военнослужащей украинской армии. Что мы откроем, когда... Look at the top left when I start this again. That's the image that New York Times showed. And you'll see that the body ends up in the exact same place that they drag it to. Невероятно храбрые, самые лучшие войны этого мира в военнослужащей украинской армии. Что мы откроем, когда будет деоккупирован Мелитополь, Бердянск, Херсон? Невероятно храбрые. Yeah, I could go I get off track with these things because there's so much that frustrates me about the lies they've spun. Anyway, back to the point. 
in Russia, they have this gay propaganda law, which prevents LGBTQ organizations from operating. Now, look, look, I'm not defending anything around the world. There's all sorts of different perspectives and cultural differences. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff in this country you could point out and that I probably wouldn't agree with or other countries that do. The point is, guys, that it's nobody. The way this gets framed as Russia, good guy, Ukraine, bad guy or vice versa is childish. I think we need to realize that all of these governments are out for themselves. And so what it comes down to is the reality of who's actually funding the worst of the problem, not whether or not we prove that Russia hates gay people. Therefore, all this is true. That's kind of how these things tend to feel. Now, do not go through so much of this to take a super long time. The point is all of them are doing the same thing. We know that before the war, most radical groups in Ukraine were financed by Russia. I mean, that's just simply not true. Now, you could argue he thinks that, but we could prove that's not true at least with the evidence we have. Now, by the way, they love to show them in their fatigues, except that's exactly the opposite of what you're going to find happens in Ukraine right now. In fact, if they're not beaten, raped, murdered, or locked up, they are actually forced to do things for the military, but not in the way that they're making it look there. And I'll go, this is directly from the Atlantic Council and other corporate media covering this, both before, now, and and during this whole process. But the point is they keep saying stuff like this. It's it's just how Russian propaganda works. It gives simple messages for society that people can understand quickly because everyone knows Nazis are bad people. So if you say Ukrainians are Nazis, which is not what we're saying, and repeat this 100 times, oh, so classic Nazi propaganda style, people will say something is not so clear with the Ukrainian state. Maybe they will think that that there is a, a not a Nazi state, but some problem with Nazis. I mean, what's ridiculous is this is what they've even admitted to now. You know, no big deal when you have entire shows praising these Nazi war criminals or Bandera statues or parades for Nazi war criminals or, you know, people on the record talking about how that's what they are. It's just silly. They would go this far. And I'm not saying maybe the people believe this, but I find it almost impossible that these people in these positions, if they are trans and live in Ukraine, would feel this way because of what I'll show you next. Ukraine. OK, this is what this is funny, actually, but then I'll go forward. So they both say, yes, there is a problem with this stuff, but it's because Russia. This person then just goes, no, there's not a problem there at all. Ukraine does not have a Nazi problem currently. And to be honest, I feel a little uncomfortable about how important it is to inform Western media that there is no Nazism or anything like that. How does that make sense? So apparently he thinks it doesn't even exist. You see my point? Like this just doesn't now. These are all supposed to be trans individuals speaking on the record, all towing a very, very similar line. And this is being reported by a gigantic outlet so here is 2018 june 20th ukraine's got a real problem with far-right violence now it sounds like the stuff of kremlin propaganda but it's not right so just again just showing you the first point that and this is not and everybody knows this it seems even pretty much everybody that we can point to 30 seconds before this started and they were all screaming about the nazi problem then once Russia invaded and the narrative quickly collapsed, it just it became the and, and it was not right on that day, but within that first week, it quickly became that's not true. There's no Nazi problem. That's Russian propaganda. So first point in this in this in this part right here, how clear does it have to be? Why would they be saying there's a Nazi problem? And then when the narrative shifts, they suddenly start denying that when you can literally look at their previous work. Because we need to remember, and this is my opinion, the reason they were pushing it so hard is because they wanted you to know there was a Nazi problem. And why does that make sense? Because it was a plan to be used against the Soviet Union at the time and now Russia. It's the same game. 
I mean, at the very least, that's just a point that, that, that what we see here makes sense with what I'm saying. It could be other things, but that's my, my opinion. But just realize that they wouldn't be promoting this and shift on a dime if something didn't change. Especially since they then got embarrassingly had to then admit, well, yeah, there are some not within like another week later. So something just didn't connect. So here it is. Sounds like the stuff of Kremlin propaganda, but it's not. Except now they're saying that since the beginning of 2018 and C14 is on the one of those groups. C14 and other far right groups, such as the Azov uh, affiliated national militia, which, again, there's political parties there. There's in general. I mean, the Azov movement has gone far and wide. So they always refer to the Azov battalion as if it's, it's just this little group volunteer and so on. Yeah, that's how it started. But the point is that this group has broadened out to have international reach, media representation. I mean, it's become a political entity. But it lists also right sector, uh, Karpatska, uh, Siege probably, and others have attacked Roma groups several times, as well as anti-fascist demonstrations, city council meetings, and an event hosted by Amnesty International, art ex- exposition, ex- exhibitions, LGBT events, and in, in, environmental activists. So just, what they're saying is these groups that the U.S. government is right now funding, directly funding, by the way, even though that's a crime according to their current legislation, not a joke, they're funding the people that in 2018 attacked Amnesty International or, a, or of an event hosted by them and directly attacked LGBT groups. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't make much sense, does it? Well, here, this is 2020. LGBTQ rights, again, this is still Atlantic Council. My point is not that we should trust Atlantic Council, but that Atlantic Council is a straight-up government line. I mean, that's so this is what they wanted you to know at this time. LGBTQ rights in Ukraine in the false dawn of Zelensky. (laughs) That's interesting, isn't it? Well, it says, things have not worked out entirely as expected. Instead of maintaining Ukraine's European integrity, Zelensky's first 18 months in office have been witnessed, have witnessed a resurgence in pro-Kremlin influence and a marketed decline in official support for liberal social policies. See how that's supposed to work out? The point was Zelensky was going to be the liberal change and we're going to bring in LGBTQ freedom and equity and everything else that they're promising over here in the U.S. But it didn't work out. We saw the Kremlin had too much influence and that's when it started to go back to Nazi. This was very clear. How in the world you could... how? That it goes from this to suddenly what we're being told today. I mean, this is, it just completely does not make sense. Unless you just are marching in tune to whatever they say today, despite how much it contradicts what they said 30 seconds ago. I think to me, this is a clear advancement of the agenda. Zelensky tried, but he failed. And he's still going to be there to fight back. But as long as we support him, because Russia's going to take over the country. This was the whole line. It was so obvious. Ever since 2014 and before, they've been trying to get Russia to take more. They've been take trying to bait them as much as possible and then when we have the nato discussion the nuclear arming discussion and then just the continue ethnic cleansing of the donbass region it's very obvious why russia chose to take action i'm not going to pretend they didn't see other things they could take advantage of that's how i see any government but you need to see how obvious that choice was to be to make meanwhile it says proposed new legislation drafted by members of parliament from zelensky's own servant of the people party you know otherwise known as his team that worked with him at the tv station before he became president not a joke i mean this is why it's so so ridiculous the guy literally played the president on tv on a station owned by kolomoisky who was the key backer of the azov movement 
and I believe was the head of the World Jewish Congress, at least at one point. And then he becomes president. And the very people who played his cast and worked with him at the TV station became his cabinet. I mean, this is just literally wag the dog, but on its face, like we're telling you we're doing that. But nobody cares, it seems. It's staggering to me. But it says they, tar- they target homosexual propaganda in language that appears to be borrowed directly from neighboring Russia. So it says proposed new legislation drafted by Zelensky's own party targets that kind of propaganda, but that it appears to be borrowed directly from neighboring Russia. That has left observers puzzled over Zelensky's true attitude towards LGBTQ rights and other social issues. So the point I would argue is whether or not Zelensky's pretending to be super pro-Western ideals, the people in this country, not necessarily average Ukrainians, but I do think that has, just like with Israel, we see that their extremist mentality has clearly influenced a lot of average people in Israel. But as we know, the Zionism idea is simply hijacking this our larger point. This is what plenty of Orthodox Jewish people are pointing out. And the same thing here. We can see that in Ukraine, that these, this ideology has clearly influenced a lot of people. But there's plenty of Ukrainians, as we can see in places like Donbass and everywhere else, that don't believe this or don't feel the same. But the point is that Zelensky clearly is playing that role. But the people around him, all the other extremist elements that are his backing, don't believe this. And they've made that very clear from the beginning. So right there, 2020, the point is his own party was drafting legislation that seems to look like wink, wink, Russia did it. Keeps being, they keep showing up. All they have to do is go, oh, because Russia did do it. Because they were the one doing that. They were influencing the whole thing from the beginning. It says one and a half years into his presidency, Zelensky's stance toward the LGBTQ community and other social issues remains unclear. Now, look, I'm not going to say that's off the table, that it could actually be Russia doing this. And it's possible. But the evidence all points in one direction. All we can do is follow the evidence while keeping open the possibility that there's more that we don't see. But it says subsequent developments have caused many to question Zelensky's commitment to these sentiments. Apparently, that doesn't matter anymore because once the once the narrative shifts, well, we have to defend him, regardless of him failing at what he said he was going to do. It just doesn't matter. It's the same point that where they, you know, how Saddam Hussein was a ally of the U.S. before he became the biggest boogeyman alive. And Osama bin Laden, according to the Washington Post, was a warrior of peace until suddenly he became the biggest boogeyman alive or on and on and on and on. When, when will be Zelensky's turn? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Here is an article. This was 2021. Hate crimes against LGBT, LGBT people in Ukraine. The attacks have become more organized. Okay, so we're in the current administration. Svetlana Vlenko is a Ukrainian activist specifically focused on hate crimes. She monitors acts of digital and or physical violence against LGBT activists for several NGOs. It says, what is the reason for all the hate against the LGBT community? Hey, we're not talking Russia here, guys. We're talking Ukraine, the U.S.-backed Ukraine, Zelensky-run, or the illusion they're in, government. Over the last five years, the attacks have become more and more organized. They are crimes that committed by right-wing groups. Well, yeah, I think we all see that. The difference is who you're blaming because of them. Recently, they attacked a group that was supporting Polish women in their fight for their right to abort. Right, so what's interesting is this is 2021. So we're at a time now where you know that this does not benefit the U.S. government agenda if the game is to support what the Ukrainian government is doing. So why would they be saying this, not this specific article, but you see the larger sentiment, even from the Atlantic Council, why, or Vice we'll get to next. Why would they be saying these things? 
seems to be like, right, here's the point. Right now, you wouldn't see this. You're not going to hear them say Ukraine is hurting you LGBTQ because that challenges the current narrative, even though right before that, that's what the point was. You see, it just doesn't connect unless something shifted, which was that we exposed the CIA tie to what was actually happening there. Now, it says recently they attacked, as we said, a, a Polish woman's group fighting for abortion. In general, they chose LGBT people and LGBT organizations as their enemies. But I don't feel like this is an inner hate inside Ukraine's inner hate inside Ukrainians because the society is quite tolerant. Well, that does not seem to be the case based on everything we're seeing. So there's your little hint. that Well, we don't think it's us. Well, what else could it be? The number of right wing groups is rising, and that is directly connected to the war and the crisis that we have been going through over the last seven years. This is the cause of the increasing radicalization. You know, blame Russia without blaming Russia, as the current little trend is to say that kind of phrasing. <laughs> All right, that's kind of what we're seeing, is that they're going, well, you know, something's going on, and since the war started, we don't know what it is. You can read between the lines. These are my opinions, obviously. Now it says, in which way has the situation changed since the Russian invasion? At the beginning of the war, a lot of people volunteered to fight. And within their battalions, they were treated and celebrated as patriots. That boosted patriotism in the nation. And by the way, we're talking about Donbass here, right? Because they're, they're, they, they, the way they frame these things from a Ukraine perspective, or a lot of it's the like Crimea was an invasion. It's not what these things were. It just simply was not. But what they're saying is at the beginning of this whole process, people volunteered to fight against the Donbass, which again is the whole frustrating part of this is they're murdering these people, fighting against these people. And yet that they, they pretend that they want to run to the Ukraine side and act like they're running from bad guy Russia. But 30 seconds ago, you were admitting to openly fighting them. It just, everything about this is very transparent. But it says that they, they, they promoted and praised these far-right entities because they were being used at the time. And they celebrated them as patriots. Now, interesting overlap with the term being used for the MAGA right side of the conversation. I just find that interesting. Not to say that that's their fault, but that seems like a manipulation ultimately to make, again, to connect all of these things. There's my thoughts. That boosted patriotism in the nation. When they return from the war, they try to start other patriotic movements. For example, patriotic education for kids. Furthermore, the battalions of volunteers legitimized a little bit different patriotic, patriotical movements, most of which are right wing. They're talking about the Azov movement. They're not talking about education for kids. It's propaganda. And we've already shown you these uh, alarming Nazi-level education camps for young children, shooting and uh, all these Nazi symbology and everything. It's terrible. They are, they are ready to proceed with radical actions, even though they call themselves just patriots. It's pretty clear what's being talked about there. But of course, the whole point is this is ah, post-Russia being involved there. And again, the overarching point is that LGBTQ was not very safe in Ukraine, even before what's currently happening. It says it is very difficult to make a prognosis here. As this year is very special because of COVID-19, we cannot really predict what's going to happen. However, we can see that because most countries are in a lockdown or in a state of emergency, that gives the government the opportunity to do things they weren't able to do before. So just, you know, throw in a little pro-lockdown discussion and propaganda. Why not? For good measure, you know. Okay, so this was now this is now taking us to 2022, March 2nd. This is the worst example. And, you know, no surprise, it's coming from vice propaganda. This is a conversation we've already pointed at where they really clumsily try to make this about bad guy Russia, despite the fact that the entire article is her discussing how Ukrainian, the Ukrainian government would kill her if she stepped outside. Essentially, I will read it to you myself. 
So what you're seeing, this, this man is a transgender man or whatever. I forget which way that goes. So the point is trans people stranded and alone in Ukraine following Russia's invasion. Even the title. So as much as you can argue that's accurate, because, well, no, technically, because it's been happening before. But the point is they wanted to make it sound like it's because Russia and they're running from Russia. And even what it says here, trans people in Ukraine tell Vice World News they're fearful of trying to escape Russian forces in case they are proven, prevented from leaving by authorities. That is a straight up lie. I'll read it to you myself. It's I mean, it's almost pathetic how desperate they are to sell you on the lie. I mean, why not just then alter the entire article? I mean, it's just maybe they just don't they think you're that stupid. I'll show it to you. Let's look at it right now. So remember, the point is they're claiming they're trying to escape Russian forces. Now, let's just say that's also happening just for the sake of conversation. This is what she actually says. Trans people in Ukraine have told Vice World News that they are totally stuck and scared for their lives in the country. So, again, if you're just reading what they just said, you're thinking, oh, Russia. They're scared because Russia. It's not what she's saying. Two Ukrainian trans women said they can't leave Ukraine or even safely travel through it because all of their identification documents say male. Because they're totally for the true. They're all pro-trans, right? Clearly not. And mention their old masculine names. So they're not allowed to be called what they want and they don't get their own identification. It says male and it says their old name. So this is 2022, guys. 2018, they're pushing, or 2014, technically, or before, after that, or 16, really, or really just Zelensky forward was the point. They're really trying to argue that everything changed, right? Everything's better. He's the liberal guy. He's changing everything, even though they argue, oh, Russia being there is kind of hurting it all. Clearly, that's not the case. It gets much, much worse. The point is they can't travel through, they're not just saying through Russian-controlled areas. They can't travel anywhere. Why? Because their identification says male. Why does that matter? Because it says right here, some trans people have even been advised to just lose their ID by human rights groups in order to get out of Ukraine. Trans campaigners estimate this issue is leading to hundreds of trans people in Ukraine being left in serious danger and feeling completely alone. So far still going, oh, Russia, oh, that. One trans woman said she's terrified of being stopped trying to leave Ukraine and being forced to join the Ukrainian army. Whoa, wait a minute now. How would Russia make her join the Ukrainian army? Okay, so she's terrified of the Ukrainian army. That's pretty clear. And it says to be to join the Ukrainian army as a man because clearly they respect her trans identity, right? Especially because authorities are stopping men aged 18 to 60, which they are, from leaving. Another Ukrainian trans woman is too scared to leave her accommodation in fear of transphobic attacks. Again, you might want to try to warp that into being only Russia because, well, no, they're afraid of the Ukrainian society at this point attacking them. And again, it gets even more clear, but I think already it's pretty obvious what they're saying. And yet, nonetheless, they're trying to make it say they're just lying to you right in the headline. She's the only person left in her neighborhood. So she's staying at home because she's afraid of being attacked by Ukrainian military and Ukrainian presence. One trans man who, and again, again, like I said in the beginning, let's just include, for sake of conversation, also Russian. I mean, that's, I don't believe that's the case here, but you'll see why that doesn't even matter when you read through this article. One trans man who transitioned over six years ago and has lived as a man in Ukraine since only has an ID showing female. He, and so that's interesting because why would that matter? You look like a man you're leaving and you show them female. So based on the same thing they just said in reverse, wouldn't they be like, oh, you're a female, so go. Right? But no, the point is because he's trans or he, she's trans, the point is they'll attack him, her, 
whatever. It's just confusing. I'm not being trying to be, I don't even, I'm not worried about being insulting in this case because I, the point is that I don't remember which way that goes either way. The point is it says he told vice world news about his fears of leaving his house and trying to make it across Ukraine during a phone call, screaming and explosions were heard coming from outside his accommodation, but he still refused to leave because of his ID issue. Does that sound like Russia being scared of Russia? No, he's scared of the military. I, I mean, but that wouldn't even be choosing, making him fight because they see him as a girl because he is a girl, a woman. The point is they would do something to him, her, because of what his situation is. It's just pretty obvious. A non-binary Ukrainian person explained their fears of leaving Ukraine and heading to, quote, places like Poland or Hungary. So not Russia. OK, where their identity is ridiculed and not recognized. Okay, so then why don't we see all these scathing articles about Hungary and Poland and how hateful they are? I'm sure they're out there somewhere. But then, see, weirdly, it's only focused on bad guy Russia. Seeing as how there's a lot of places that have the same mentality, whether you think it's right or wrong, why do we only hyper-focus on the ones that the U.S. wants to benefit from? Well, the answer to my own question. Quote, I need to choose between my own country that I have learned how to navigate. That's, see, right there. Or a total, totally foreign place where I could feel even more excluded and in danger. The fact that he says, I've learned to navigate, shows you this predates Russia's invasion. But it goes on to say, this Z familiar, whatever that name is, Z is a 31-year-old trans woman from Kiev. Kiev. She is a musician and has appeared on TV in her home nation. Z, she said she can't leave the country and her life is in danger. Quote, like hundreds of trans people in Ukraine. I am a woman, but I have a male in my passport and on all my ID. So this is a war within a war. She's not talking about Russia, guys. Ukrainian trans people are already fighting for their lives, not because of Russia. Like, if I was vice, why would you even include this if you try to lie right in the headline? They just think, I think they think you're too stupid to put the pieces together. They're wrong. It says, quote, there are hundreds of us stuck like this living miserable lives. Alone in her area, she is scared of who could be outside her apartment. Trans people in Ukraine can obtain legal gender recognition, but human rights groups have called the process abusive, as it, quote, violates the rights to publicly and, pri and physically and in to, excuse me, violates the rights to privacy and physical integrity. But, but what's your vaccination status? Damn you, you better. You know, right. Of course, it's always hypocritical. It matters when they want it to, as always. Asked why she didn't change her ID documents before now, she said process in Ukraine is humiliating. And she's seen people having to stay in mental institutions for months with psychological and physical tests to prove their gender. That, so she's talking about Russia? Yeah, this stick is getting old, I get it. The point is, obviously, we're talking about the Ukrainian military, government, and the society. They're literally putting people in mental institutions because they want to identify as something else. Now, I'm not even making a stand on that. You, I've made my points clear on that. I, I have plenty of concerns about the whole direction and even just the general point. But I always respect people's personal choices to do what they want with their own body, as long as you don't force anybody else to say or think a certain thing. That, and plenty of people will disagree with that. But I think it's just about choice and actual freedom. The point is, this government is not letting that happen. So if you're going to pretend... Like, it's only Russia doing this. But in your very article about that lie, you make it clear that the Ukrainian government has been hospitalizing, institutionalizing people just because of what you claim they're fighting for. I mean, this is painful. Quote, we don't want to go through that, so we just kept our passports as they were and laid low, stayed quiet. 
It's hell for trans people here. So the overarching point is they are hiding and staying low and staying in their homes because of the military there. There's actually examples of people in this very position going over to Russia and not being treated any different. Now, I'm not even going to get into the politics of this over in Russia. There's equal issues to point out. All of them have their shortcomings. But it's just so transparent how they wanted this to be one way. It says it's hell for trans people here in Ukraine. I'm completely alone now, it says. Everybody in my neighborhood has left. It's such a dangerous situation. But I'm trying to stay optimistic. I've seen people running for their lives and screaming at each other to leave things behind and just get out. But I have to stay where I am. It's the only option for me right now. Which seems ridiculous when you think about it, being trapped alone in an area run by the very people you know want to kill you. That's crazy. But it says, it is very dangerous for me as a trans person in Ukraine on a normal day. So now, it's impossible. Just again, you can't get any more clear than that. Pre-Russia. There are so many physical traits that we are attacked for. Big chin, broad shoulders, we're beaten, we're killed. That's what they do to the Russian. The, anybody they claim works with Russia too. Time to uh, lamp posts, shooting in the back of the head, shooting them in the legs. All on video, but apparently it's all fake news if you listen to corporate media. We need to get out now, but we can't even leave our apartments. They will see my passport and see mail. They will see my birth name and call me a man in a dress and attack me, the Ukrainian military. She spoke of trans people who have been threatened by individuals openly carrying weapons in their areas. That sounds like the Azov movement in different Ukrainian elements, doesn't it? It is. I'm now even more scared to be in Ukraine because everyone has a gun. Now my attackers have an excuse to carry out their hate and violence. Yeah, the same ones. Now people know where I live. Pretty sure Russians don't know where she lives, right? Every sound outside is scary. Being LGBTQ in Ukraine can be life-threatening. Attacks against people based on their sexuality and gender identity are common. And citizens told us, our police just stand by and watch. It speaks for itself. This is what was actually happening. And they just lied about it. Less than a month ago, vandals damaged an LGBTQ community center in, in Kharkiv, a city in northeast Ukraine. The attackers wrote death threats and Christian scriptures across the center's mural, mural of equality. Because clearly they all care about the whole premise, right? Aren't we supposed to believe that Ukraine's leading the charge for the Great Reset and equity and sustainability? And, right? But you're, here are the very people they're promoting and funding and arming and sending all sorts of dangerous weapons to. And they're the ones writing this on there on the over the equality mural and just saying you got death threats to trans people. Campaigners said the center had only recently been repaired after the last attacks from the same kind of thing. When urine, excuse my cursing, shit and blood were smeared on the front door. It's funny how that doesn't get talked about. But of course, you hear argument. It's just so transparent. These are the Ukrainian elements doing this to people that they're claiming they're fighting for. Now, gee, I wonder why the Donbass people don't want to be a part of this. Trans people in Ukraine have told Vice World News that their lives were not worth living before the war. And the current situations only made matters worse. But yeah, let's just say only Russia did everything. I'm so afraid for my life, he says. A lot of people have offered me help once I get to different countries, but I can't get through Ukraine like this. The problem here is that you can look like one thing, but your papers say something else. Quote, I can't work. I can't have a bank account. I can't have a driver's license. I can't continue a university because the university can't approve my papers. This is, this is guys, this is worse than what's happening in Russia. I've just been cutting people's hair, cleaning in, in the LGBT discussion, LGBTQ, cleaning bathrooms, apartments, just to feed myself. It's just existing, not living. If you're a trans woman with an M on your passport or your gender non-conforming with an M, we recommend that you lose your passport before speaking to Ukrainian officials, before speaking to Ukrainian officials. 
If you're a trans man with an F on your ID, prepare to be gaslit by Ukrainian authorities. They will say, if you're really a man, then fight for your country. After all that we just read, again, revisit the reality, the absurdity of Vice News and Ben Hunt writing that they're trying to escape Russian forces. At the very least, you should write both of them, shouldn't you? But no, their only job is to lie to you in just the right way, often using real information. Hashtag Twitter files. So, 2016, going back just a touch. I want you to reflect, and you know, it's not just about the LGBTQ point. That's just a very, very stark example of how hypocritical this all is. But let's talk about the media side of this. The same point. This is a really important article that shows you before this, but during the U.S. government-run part of all this, that they were murdering journalists. The same people, by the way, that went on to call them Nazis, and then a moments later said, no, 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 never mind, it wasn't true, ever, never was. On July 20th, Investigative journalist Pavel Shermet was assassinated in Kiev. Kiev. Shermet hosted a morning show at Radio Vesti and was a top re- reporter at U- Ukrainska Pravada. He was killed by a car bomb, a lot of which we've seen, you know, post all this, the, tw- the Russian, since 24th. Journalists being killed in their cars, assassinated while they're sitting in the parking lot. I mean, it's, it, it, out, uh, the one that was killed out, right out front of the, the courtroom. <laughs> it's crazy. He says, it would be easy to dismiss Shermet's murder as an outlier. Unfortunately, and by the way, if I didn't mention it for those on the podcast or the Twitter spaces, which by the way, I didn't mention I am broadcasting onto right now to see if I <laughs> see if they do something about that. I, why not? That's another medium. <clears throat> the point is, where was it? Oh, that's what I was going to say is it's Atlantic Council, right? So this is the Atlantic Council writing about this in 2016. It would be easy to dismiss the murder as an outlier. Unfortunately, it's anything but, it says. His death is merely the most drastic example of the steady deterioration of press freedom in Ukraine in recent months. This is post-U.S. regime change. That's important to remember. And it only it got dramatically worse, and now it's the same thing. It, it, by the way, the lies were about things that were getting better. They were always funding and growing this the entire time. One day before his murder... Maria Reinvon, the editor of Forbes Ukraine, was stabbed three times in Kiev. It's funny how these groups are right now arguing that there's no problem over there. Even at this, it's just so embarrassing how quickly they will toe the line. Christina uh, Burden-Skythe, I probably mispronounced, a reporter for the New York Times, New Time magazine, who often writes about Ukraine's oligarchs, said she has received multiple death threats in recent months. No charges have been brought against any suspects. This began 2016. Prosecutor General... Lutsenko stated that he has an open case, but at the time it was pushed back by the very people you might expect, including the Ukrainian National Police, aka the Azov Movement. The Minister of Interior at the time, who I believe he's now back being affiliated with the group, Arsen Avakov, who was one of the most openly Nazi elements they had, outspoken. And that's why right about the time Russia invaded, he quietly stepped into the background. To all on the record, Minister of Interior, part of the Azov Movement, and they just, oh, he's no longer part of it anymore, though they're not bad. Now he's back. Claim that these suspicious, suspicious age, the suspicions against this person were without merit. So the prosecutor general opens a case into these attacks. And the Azov movement steps up and goes, nope, that's what happened. On April 26th, the Ukrainian government banned the country's top television host, Savak Shuster, a Canadian national, from working in the country. 
because, you know, press freedom, right? You didn't hear any about this from the corporate media or, you know, when this was, unless they wanted you to blame somebody else for it. Shester hosts Ukraine's most popular Russian language talk show. Four million people live each week. Shut them down. In May, Ukraine hackers leaked the names and contacts and details of more than 4,500 journalists, cameramen, producers, uh, stringers, translators, and drivers who have worked in the area under the control of pro-Russian separatists in eastern Ukraine. Does it sound familiar, doesn't it? It's like that website they have, or the fact that January 6th individuals had all their information just leaked out. Oops, our bad. The journalists worked for major international media outlets like Reuters, BBC, French Press Agency, Al Jazeera, even nonprofits like Human Rights Watch. But apparently this doesn't matter. They just doxed them with all their personal information while they were in a very dangerous war zone. But yeah, no big deal. This is a U.S.-backed government, guys. The website on which the leak appeared, look at that. Myro, uh, how, how do you pronounce it again? Let me know, for, correct me in the chat if I have it wrong. Myro, Myro, Myro Vorets. Myro Vorets, probably mispronouncing that. Anyway, this is the this is the website that we've talked about a lot. Eva Bartlett's referenced where they're listed on there as people to be killed. Remember, remember the current point about that. Ah, it's not what you think it is. That's some propaganda. That's just a list of people's names. No, this has been directly referenced by the government, by the military, by people taking out others on that list. And it's been praised by the military. So here it is in 2016 being written about by Atlantic Council. Now, check out how this differs from what you're currently being told. The website on which the leak appeared, you know, the leak where they listed journalists, Reuters, BBC, French press agency, and listed all of their information. It was co-founded by Anton Harashenko, an MP and advisor to literally the Ukrainian interior minister, the Arsen Avakov, the Azov Battalion movement. Does that surprise anybody that the list of people to kill has been laid out by the CIA-grown fascist entity? Harashenko also published the list on his Facebook page. He accused the journalists on the list of aiding terrorists and spreading Russian propaganda. Avakov, the Azov movement, praised the publication of the list. Not surprising. And he blamed the journalists for registering with the separatists or otherwise doing their job outside of towing what Ukraine says or daring to talk to people in the Donbass region. You know, typical stuff which is exactly what's happening today. The leak was condemned by journalists and right groups alike. Nothing happened. It says not only could it lead some journalists to fear to take necessary steps to ensure their safety in an extremely dangerous area, but <coughs> excuse me, but it might make some avoid reporting there at all, probably the point, for fear that they face mob violence or persecution once they leave. Similar stuff happens in Israel. The government actively targets journalists and all sorts of press workers and, and, and health workers to stop them from even wanting to be present there. On May 24th, my, my Rochevitz or my Rochevitz released a second list that included the home addresses of 239 Ukrainian and international journalists working in Russia. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? This is still happening today that they just brush off like fake news. Quote, to a lot of journalists in Ukraine, it feels like a return to the bad old days of the 1990s when reporters were attacked and murdered and the perpetrators went unpunished. So it seems important if Atlantic Council is willing to point at it, right? How can it be not valid and unreal and not what it looks like today when they were using it to reference the same point then? Oops. Journalists in Ukraine are counting on the West to draw attention to the uptick in violence, except those journalists are woefully uninformed and don't realize they're the ones behind it. If Ukraine's leaders are serious about press freedom, they write in 2016, they will move quickly to solve this case and bring to justice those responsible for silencing Sheremet's powerful journalistic voice, and then literally nothing happened. Okay, so you answered their question for them. 
if Ukraine's leaders are serious about press freedom. So they're not because they didn't. Very clear. So it's only gotten worse since then, despite the media representations. Now, Elliot Higgins writes this as of October 15th, 2022. Myro Trevoritz is a Ukrainian government kill list. It's rapidly becoming the most effective way to identify the dumbest people on this website. It is, though. This is what we're talking about, and you could prove this. But it's interesting to see the pushback, right? Bellingcat. That's why. Bellingcat is nothing if not a direct government propaganda outlet. I mean, we've gone over this many, many, many times. I wanted to follow them just because I want to keep track on this the garbage. There's some people I like to do that for. But the point is, guys, this is exactly what it is. I mean, we literally just went over the Atlantic Council outlining this list. Well, rather, the list was at least doxing at that point. But we've seen this happen since. Here is Eva Bartlett's information on that list, doing a report that Ukraine has him on a kill list for her journalism. And if you can, they have pointed at this and praised people being killed. Participant of the so-called International Conference, evidence of mass war crimes of armed forces in the national units of Ukraine. On the kill list. You read it for yourself, by the way. And then, to make it even more clear, now, I could make this very, very, we could do an entire segment just on this, and you should look into this more. People like Wyatt Reed and the videos he has of real-time, real of them threatening them, of them being doxxed, and then having their locations bombed immediately. This is, this is one of the articles about this August 4th. This is written by Eva Bartlett. Today, Ukraine bombed a Donetsk hotel full of journalists right after what I just said. Here's what it felt like to be there. Nothing by the corporate media. By the way, aside this, of the most important part being a hotel full of journalists, all of which were on this list, and when they found out they were there, this immediately happened afterward, realize this is in a hotel in the middle of a civilian area. Nothing. It's just mind-blowing. So we go to 2022. Zelensky wants Ukraine to be a big Israel. Here's a roadmap. I think that's quite obvious. We realize what Israel's government has be very clearly become. No and here's the point to make about this, guys. This used to be like completely taboo. You're not even allowed to ask this question. And we've seen a very quick change. And the, the Overton window has been broken on this conversation. Amnesty International. Human Rights Watch, Beth Selim, leading human rights groups in the world are openly calling them an apartheid state. Now, even the U.S. government is taking issue with the very openly extremist fascist government that just got elected. Primary part of it being the uh, the religious Zionism party, which even the ADL and different groups involved with them have been called terrorists, been called racist. The ADL of all people. And here, this is the group that just got elected. So it's not very shocking to see. And then we have to realize as well, the Israeli influence over the entire agenda. It's kind of interesting to see the most openly Nazi elements on the planet currently being supported openly by the Israeli government and wanting to be a part and be like a big Israel. And since I brought it up, let's not forget, which I, mean, I reference every time, just so it's obvious to see how clear this was before all of this. This is 2018. Rights groups demand Israel stop arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Guess who they're talking about? The Azov Militia Battalion, 2018. So the people in Israel are going, why are you arming neo-Nazis? Except today they just go, that's not true. Even though it always was. So I think what's obvious here is that this is not even remotely what they say it is. 
this whole point is being built to one, argue that these people are only being hurt by Russia, which is very clearly not the case. But on top of that, that they're beginning to toe this line from a very high level million follower platform that Russia is the one building it. And you know what? You don't even need evidence to back it up. We've seen that today with the COVID narrative. We've seen it everywhere. As long as they get something they can grab onto and say, no, here's why you're wrong, conspiracy theorist. Here's what I'm supposed to say. It's only like that because Russia built it and they've been funding them secretly. Okay, well, if we can prove the opposite and you can just have a narrative, then where do we end up? It's quite obvious this has been built for a long time by your own government. So here is the overlap with the January 6th part of this for me. And just to, to wrap this up for the most part, probably not going to have another hour for all I know. But this is something that we just saw. Los Angeles Times. White supremacy comes in all colors. <laughs> Apparently that makes perfect sense to them. That's the vanilla ISIS psyop. Because it's ridiculous. 2023 will make this impossible to ignore. And of course, they're pointing at Kanye West. Why? Well, because he posted a realism symbol, which is not even associated with the Nazi symbol. That, I, I feel like he did it on purpose to fool people like this. And hashtag love everybody. And he was censored on Twitter. Despite the fact, actually, I have this, I have this off to the side. I have a whole bunch of stuff that I pulled off to the side that I want to eventually get at. But I wanted to show you this because I find this very ridiculous. There's a lot. Hmm. Thought I added up. I guess not. Well, there's a symbol that I saw on uh, Twitter. That is a it, it's right now publicly up and it is a Nazi symbol. Oh, you know what I did? I think I closed it all. That's right, because I just I got I got frustrated today and I said, I'm done with this Twitter file stuff. <laughs> I just I'm so frustrated. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Anyway, the point is the people sharing a, a, a Ukrainian flag with a Nazi symbol right in the middle. And apparently that's not a big deal. And then even casually threatening violence against Russians and nobody seems to care. But apparently hashtag love everybody with uh, I'll just grab it so you guys can see it. Right there. This is still currently up on Twitter. So he can post this exact symbol, hashtag love everybody, and gets banned on Twitter. Yet this has always been up before that and still is right now. How does that even possibly make sense? Quick breakdown. The point is, as you can see on this little sh ship, this is like an inter extraterrestrial religion. It's very strange. The point is, this guy had a vision, and that just was the symbol he saw on the ship. And he's, it wasn't racist at all. In fact, he wanted to put one of the foundational points in Israel. Because he had an Israel, he had a Jewish mother and a Christian father or something like that. It's it's and the point is I think that's why it was chosen because it's actually inherently not racist. And that go, on top of the fact that the very symbol pre-Nazism was not racist either. But what's interesting is it's still there. So it seems contrived. Bottom line is well you can be white supremacist even if you're not white, and that's why they're working with Iran over the government or they're working with these people over here. And it's just, it's just becomes this clumsy narrative to show you that it's, it's the bad guys in this country trying to overthrow the government, the MAGA movement, but they're working with bad guys outside of us. And it's whoever we want to point at at the moment. That's how it feels to me. It says, and here we are. Men are women, women are men, and everyone has, can be a lesbian and white supremacy comes in all colors. It really is stupid to me. And here's an individual, this is a black individual, proud black conservative. Saying, I got a liberal white woman on here telling me I hate my blackness because I'm conservative. You see the point? These people have lost it. So they've made it, they know what he thinks because of what the news told them. It's the same thing we saw with that masked guy screaming, screaming at the people and the truckers. Um, let's see if it's graphic to pop up. 
I don't want to look it up. But the point was that there, there, we saw the example of the guy out there. It was, it was during the Canadian truck protest, had a mask on, and he was just screaming, just vitriolic hate. F you and screw you and you're going to die and just whatever to people that were literally going, I love you. We're fighting for you. We're fight. We're, we're standing up for your rights. I know you're confused. We love you. And the guy just got even more angry. And it's because he's going, you're a fascist Nazi. Because that's what he was told. That anybody right, MAGA, anything, is a Nazi. Now, why does that seem so ridiculous? And why does it seem like, why was it seem so perfectly aligned with the growth of what we saw in Ukraine? Because I feel quite strongly this was all a setup. That's what I feel. Oh, and on top of that, I forgot to include this. Searing Girl points out that Baked Alaska... Uh, whether you support him or not, I think it's, it's a you know right-leaning out the uh, content creator has been sentenced to sixty days in prison, two months in prison. Why? For walking into a public building. Now, obviously, at the time, it wasn't you know what was what was going on. You could argue that there was some kind of. But here's the point I made before. By the way, we're talking about the Capitol on January sixth. The point is that there were plenty of people as we saw long after the original breach of the doors, that just wandered in. In in fact, stayed right between those velvet ropes. So are we really going to argue that people that wandered in like that were also, what, should be charged with with prison time? How do they even know it was a problem? What if they didn't realize? Like with the grandma that was filming on her phone, just having a good old time. The point is, this was so obviously not what they wanted it to be. Now we've got evidence that Pelosi and plenty of others clearly, and by the way, we had this in the beginning. It was on the record that she denied more reinforcements numerous times. We've got the Antifa elements on the ground very clearly being caught on video going, we did it, we fooled them. We also have the element of the Ukrainian, or rather specific, it was a Ukrainian entity who is completely tied to the Azov movement, on the ground yelling things in Russian. I actually should have grabbed that for this show. I forgot about that off the top of my head. But this, this was also very clearly shown. He was there. You see he has pictures with the guy with the horns on. And he's in there yelling, let's go, let's go in, in Russian. It's all on video. The guy is a very clear Ukrainian on his social media account. He's wearing Azov, Azov movement stuff. There you go, guys. I mean, all of this stuff is on. It's just so clear to me that they're trying to make it look like there was the Russian influence of the entire thing. But he's been charged with 60 days for walking into the Capitol. People have received less for assault. I agree with that. Now, regardless of what you think about how that went down, just realize the overcompensation for an unarmed action. Now, it says they, uh, it was a protest about the lack of democracy, which the judgment proves and so on. I, I agree with that. Now, here's what's interesting. Social security numbers of Trump allies, even cabinet posted in January six files. Oops. Right. I mean, and, and there's just this is just such a ridiculous breach of decorum of, of what I mean, everything. And I find it really hard to believe that this wasn't absolutely on purpose. Two thousand social security numbers. Really? To me, this is them going, yeah, you want to be a racist, you want to be a Nazi, then you get to live with it. That's how they think about this today. That's just my opinion. I can't, I can't prove that's what somebody would think or I, whoever, anybody that speaks to somebody else's feelings or intentions is stupid. I'm just giving you my thoughts on what I would argue probably makes sense today because we've seen that exact thing happen. Then we also have the example of what just weirdly popped off a couple of days after January 6th. I Really, January 8th, we see Bolsonaro supporters storm the Brazil National Congress. 
now, you know, I, I have, there's a lot in that. I haven't gone, I mean, I want, I actually have a lot that I've been building and researching on it, but I'm not going to go into it today. There was examples of the, the guy with the horns that turned out to be an old picture. So there's a lot of weird things circulating, misinformation flying around. But the timing of it all, the exact thing with the people, you know, uh, defiling rooms and, you know, it's, it's, it's like the exact same thing. No, certainly could just be organic. We talked about it on the AM Wake Up. Like, certainly could just be people that saw this and did that. I mean, that's possible. But I just find it almost impossible to believe because it's the same thing over there. It's the same right-wing concept, and it's now the right doing it. It's the same game. So whether it was genuine, I think all of these have some elements of, of organic, you know, people that want to be a part of this because they believe it's for the right things and blah, blah, blah. And that gets abused by the person pretending to be on their side who's in fact an FBI agent or working for a psychological agent, a psychological operations entity. These were all there January 6th, by the way. That's all been verified. They've spoken out about these things, except when it gets like discussed on some document that we broke out here, Ray Epps, and it's all breaking news. We knew all these things, guys. That's another example, by the way, Ray Epps literally going, we're going inside the Capitol, except that contradicts what he said in testimony literally saying i don't know if i just say this because i'm gonna get in trouble he was the one continuing to push for that then act like he didn't even do that and accept the fact that he actually used the word orchestrate when he spoke on the record and yet nothing but yet these people get 60 days grandma gets a month but no that's he just was confused obviously there's a game being played and i think it's obvious there were people involved that made this happen and oh by the way <laughs> the next day Bolsonaro is admitted to the hospital in the U.S. <laughs> it's like, that's not suspect at all. Again, just per cursory points. I just found that to be pretty ridiculous. Now, let's end a with a point about some of the current situations in the general case of Ukraine from 2014 forward and make a really important point about how the Maidan Square that began all of this, at least 2014 forward, was beyond a doubt a U.S.-backed regime change effort, just like we saw in Syria, just like we saw in Bolivia, like we saw attempted happen in Venezuela and attempted in Syria. And I'll show you the scientific study to break down exactly what we already know on paper, despite the fact that they just say otherwise, like we made the point about Syria. They just go, no, that, you know, Assad killed all the people. Every single one of those, at very least, has a huge asterisk next to it, if not completely shown to be false. But they just keep saying it. This is a video from CNN. In 2014, you might not be surprised to see what it says. Back in 2014, CNN made this report about the U.S.-backed government in Kiev attacking its own civilians in Donetsk. Yeah, the thing that apparently is not even actually real today. Still part of the Ukraine back then. Still think the referendum was to join Russia was staged? Petro Poroshenko will have a hard time winning back hearts and minds in this city as the people of Donetsk sweep up the debris of their homes and livelihoods. They are hardened against a president they say is killing his own people. Right. Okay, right. You know, and so are those military front lines? Well, no, those are civilian homes. So CNN can report that the Ukrainian government is literally bombing civilian areas for unknown reasons and they're killing their own people. And yet today, that's not even real. So what shifted? What happened? Was there an effort to try to make this about Russia doing this at some point? I don't know. But what we clearly can see is it very clearly happened. And this is why the Donbass region collectively, as well as Crimea, predominantly Russian speaking, 
who are all being actively murdered, attacked and manipulated and tied to lampposts by anybody in the Ukrainian military, which is all clearly on the record being shot in the back of the head when they're found, would not want to be a part of that. Despite the fact they claim they were trying to fight for them as they clearly weren't. It's just transparently stupid across the board. Here is a great study. Ivan Kachanovsky, political scientist, University of Ottawa. Now, you, you can read through his tweets in general. I'm just going to go right to the study. The Maidan massacre in Ukraine. This is, this is actually important. Now, there's more than just the abstract. I recommend you dive into this, but I'm going to read the main points here. The study examines evidence revealed by the ongoing trial and government investigations concerning the Maidan massacre in Ukraine. Now, this is as of 2021, August. The massacre of the protesters and the police during the Euro Maiden Maidan Maidan mass protests in February 2014 contributed to the overthrow of the Ukrainian government and ultimately to a start of the civil war in Donbass, Russian military interventions in Crimea and Donbass, the Russian annexation of Crimea and the international conflict between the West and Russia. The reason that's important is to show you that this was the beginning of all the things they are now just going Russian aggression. But it started with what you're going to see was an absolute psychological operation conducted by Western powers to do exactly this, to trigger all of what came afterward. And and by the way, don't forget that Crimea, Donbass, these were referendums legally held, internationally observed, and they all voted for this. They just claim otherwise. It's pathetic. What does evidence make what does evidence made public by the Maidan massacre trials and Ukrainian government investigations reveal about which of the parties of the conflict was involved in the mass killing? The study analyzes results of forensic ballistic and medical examinations and investigative experiments and videos and photos of the Maidan massacre made public during the trial. So, you know, this is a process, a trial. Testimonies of wounded protesters, witnesses concerning snipers in Maidan controlled locations, meaning the Ukraine government-controlled areas, meaning Western-backed areas, analyses of synchronized segments of American, Belgian, Belarusian, British, Finnish, French, Dutch, German, Polish, Russian, Spanish, and Ukrainian TV videos. Very interesting. The Maidan massacre trials and investigations have revealed various evidence that four killed and several dozen wounded policemen, and at least the absolute majority of 49 killed and 157 wounded Maidan protesters were massacred. On February 20th, 2014, interesting timing, by the way, February 20th, by snipers in Maidan-controlled buildings and areas, meaning Western-backed. Such evidence includes testimonies of the absolute majority of wounded protesters, several dozens of prosecution witnesses, dozens of defense witnesses. I mean, so everybody from all sides are clearly going, this was the Ukrainian government, and 14 self-admitted members of Maidan sniper groups. They themselves, on the record, said, yeah, we killed them, and it was for the Ukrainian government. Think about how ridiculous this is in the face of the Western government's going narrative. Videos presented at the trial showed that times of shooting of the absolute majority of protesters did not coincide with times of shooting by the Burkut policemen who were charged with the massacre. Forensic medical examinations determined that the overwhelming majority of the protesters were shot from steep directions from the sides or the back. Initial ballistic examinations did not match bullets extracted from the bodies of killed or wounded protesters. You would think this would matter, wouldn't it? Actual forensic evidence. Sort of like with the train station, Kramastark, and the idea that they go, oh, it was, it was Russia, except we can literally mathematically prove that it couldn't have been. Or the Poland example where they lied and they go, oh, well, oops, we made a mistake. It's so obvious how much of this is going on. 
This is all the way back then, by the way, and it's still happening today. The analysis shows cover-up and stonewalling of the investigation and trials by the Maidan governments and the far right. The prosecution denied that there were any snipers in the Maidan control buildings. Not a single person is convicted or under arrest for the massacre of the protesters and the police almost eight years after one of the most documented mass killings in history. That is pretty important. That is pretty damn important. So what I'm going to do now is play you this clip that I've played before. The important clip that shows you on the record a member of Estonian member of parliament and none other than Newland herself admitting that they know this. Well, actually, Newland's a separate part, but the first part admitting with the, I think, a member of European parliament that they know that this was Ukrainian backed. They know that, that the evidence proved that. And then Newland literally handpicking who will be in the Ukrainian democracy, right? Because they voted for it, right? Of course. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU Foreign Policy Chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's Foreign Minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now, the, that now the new, new, uh, new uh, coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly. Exactly. So that there is, so that there is no stronger and stronger, stronger and stronger that behind snipers they were. It was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um... The, the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think what in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I, kinda... I, I, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Tony Book being Svoboda. I mean, it, 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 you can't get much more clear than that. Handpicking who will be in what position. Does that sound like democracy to anybody? This is classic U.S. government regime change. And then we have to realize if they're the ones, as the Estonian member of parliament's making clear, and as Kathy Ashton, I believe, the was the... Uh, foreign ministry chief of the European Union says, yeah, yeah, no pushback, completely agrees. It shows you they all know this. This evidence is there. Why doesn't anybody care about that? The other point to ask is, you know, with all the truth tellers out there in the corporate media, this this guy that's been circulated a thousand times. I've played that probably 30 times on my show. It's out and it's been discussed in circles. Clearly, I guarantee supporters of, you know, like the Tucker Carlson show or somebody else have sent them these things. Now, why don't we see those things on mainstream media? It's baffling, isn't it? It's almost like they only pick and choose when do limited hangout release certain things when they want you to look at them. The point is this information is there. It's always been this clear. And if they're the ones setting up the very beginning of all this, what does that tell you about where it's going now? Just so it's clear, as of, a few, as of last week, Zelensky thanks U.S. for over $3 billion more billion in arms packages. Calls it an awesome Christmas present. You know, while plenty of American families can barely buy their children presents, we're giving Zelensky, the, you know, the, the backer, the, the leader, quote-unquote, of this entire fascist entity, $3 billion. He says, thanks, awesome present. Fantastic. Especially with everything we just talked about. Now, here's just one example, and there are many of them. Actually, I'll play two of what they're actually saying. So if you want to know what they're going to spend this money on, Here's an example. This is the Ukraine military advisor calling for strikes on oil refineries in Belarus, specifically using American HIMARS systems, saying that they are never prohibited from using it on Belarus. Look at that. This is directly on Ukrainian media. So it's okay, apparently. It says Belarus is our enemy and it must be destroyed as an enemy. That's what they're talking about. So why is that acceptable? Is Belarus at war with No. So this is simply about them revealing, as they've openly said, that this is bigger than just Russia and Ukraine, as, a, as Ukraine sees it, as, their, as rather the Azov movement sees it. Whereas they claim Russia wants to take over the world, but then who knows, maybe, based on their actions and what they're saying, none of that seems to be the case. Whereas you have blatant statements by these people saying they want to turn, take this, like it comes directly from the fascist neo-Nazi elements where they want to bring this world back to what they want it to be. They've opened, that's paraphrasing, but they have said this on the record repeatedly. You just don't get told about it. You just don't, get, don't show you. Here's an example of something you don't get to see unless you watch independent media or people that care about the truth, where you have a Ukrainian journalist on the record discussing the Donbass people and saying that we need to exterminate them because they're useless. От ви спитали, як так може бути? Так може бути тому, що Донбас взагалі регіон, який, ну, це не просто депресивний регіон, розумієте? Там настільки великий комплекс таких грона проблем, і головніше, наприклад, тому, що там 
просто дика кількість абсолютно непотрібних людей. В економі, повірте, я абсолютно свідомо про це говорю. От якщо брати навіть чисто Донецьку область, там приблизно 4 мільйони населення. Що не менше мільйона півтора, там просто зайвих людей. Що хочу сказати, нам не треба розуміти Донбас, нам треба розуміти взагалі український національний інтерес. А Донбас треба просто використати як ресурс. Які треба відповідно з приводу розуміння Донбасу. Мені здається, що ну мене немає зрозуміння жодного рецепту, що тут можна зробити швидко, але ем, найголовніше, що треба зробити е, в даний момент, е, як це там жорстоко не призвучить, є певне є певна категорія людей, яких треба просто вбити. Exterminated. For those in the podcast, exterminated is the word he used. And as I was saying behind the scenes that you guys couldn't hear a moment ago to Twitter Spaces, I've gone through the entire full video of that, broken down the entire translation, and it is exactly what he's talking about. There is a little more to the context, but it is exactly what he's saying, that these people are superfluous is the word he used. They're, they're useless. They're, they're, not, they're not needed, so these should be exterminated. That's the exact word he used. I don't care what context you put that in. That's how these people think about what these people are in Donbass, despite the corporate media telling you they're fighting for them right now. It's crazy. Now, a couple last points to finish. Black in the Empire points out, United States spent 20 years in Afghanistan. Russia spent 11 months in Ukraine. Or, you, you know, you could dispute the time frames, but clearly less than the U.S. has spent in Afghanistan. Afghanistan didn't have countries giving them $100 billion. I wonder why that is. Isn't that interesting? It's almost like they're not, almost like it's all hypocritical and it's only when the, the bad guy, enemy does what we, we do all the time. And we'll, we, the government meaning. Last point. This is actually not a joke, and I just think this is hilarious. The House resolution, you know, the House, so now the, the Republican-controlled House, was introduced two days ago, this resolution, to put a bust, a, a, a statue from the chest up of Zelensky in the House wing of the Capitol. Resolution 10. Directing the Fine Arts Board to obtain a bust of the President of Ukraine for display in the House of Representatives. I can't even believe that this is what they're spending their time on. This is what they this is what's important to them. I mean, sure, they've got other things going on, I'm sure. But I just can't believe that we can't see through this by now. So I hope that this in some way broke through to some people. There's so much more that you just can't repeat every time. And there's so, you know, it'd be a 13-hour show. But hopefully you guys can go back to the information. And I'm going to ask you to trust what I'm thinking. A lot of this is my opinion on where this may go or how I see the, the dots connecting. But just look at the body of information. Look at it for yourself. Go through your own due diligence process and go and look at all of this stuff. And then search further. Take the little points we're making and broaden it out and realize this is so transparent. My gut tells me this is building to something. That the whole point is about creating, whether it's the base entity or any other ones they want to point at, creating, remember, the Rise Above movement was already an example of that. A U.S. arm of what they built in Ukraine. And they've already tried to lay the groundwork for the Rise Above movement and many of the others in that, that place to, at the feet of Russia. There's already been clumsy efforts to do that. Now we're seeing them try to blame the entire thing that moments ago wasn't even there on Russia funding and support. It worries me because at the end of the day, I think we know, or at least anybody trying to be objective about it, that they're overrepresenting what they say is happening. I mean, and just in very embarrassing fashion, broad brushing half the country. You know, all of the Republicans are this way or all MAGA or whatever. Biden himself said that. I don't care if you want to pretend it's just the MAGA part of it or all of Republicans. That's a lot of people in this country that are not just what you say they are because they wear a red hat. There's plenty of good, honest people that I in some ways are manipulated, I argue, by the two-party paradigm, maybe Trump and the concept they're in. 
but a lot of them just identify with the with the community and are also questioning Trump and also questioning the vaccine and everything else. So it's important to understand that what they want you to think this country is, is a childish binary breakdown of the crayon drawn illusion they're trying to make for you. It's much more complicated than that. And I'm genuinely believing today that most everybody, to one degree or another, is starting to question all of it. That doesn't mean that it's left, right, or, you know, or that it's on every topic. But as I always point out, just taking the vaccine discussion, for example, we can now see that you have people that are you know, it's like 14, 12, 14 to 17% of people that have taken the new shot, despite all of them telling you that you have to, that you need to. And even those people are like, I don't know about this anymore. Or the Ukraine conversation, how quickly that fell apart. They see that you see it. So that is where this is going next. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's always about multifaceted plans. But Sadly, we embarrassingly, we see that they just somehow can't they can't break away from the 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 narrative, especially with like a January 6th topic. There's too many moving parts. So I do think this is going to continue forward. But as always, as I say at the end of the show, I'll say again right now, we need to be vigilant to the new things coming, the new QAnon, the new Russiagate or whatever the next thing is that gets you to chase the new dangling cat toy in front of you and get worked right back into trusting the state. Thank God people are questioning the medical establishment. Doesn't mean you have to deny everything. But you always should have been questioning everything they do, everything the politicians say, everything they put forward, whether or not you believe they have good intentions. They could just be wrong. They themselves could be manipulated. It's just basic logic. So thank you for tuning in today and remaining objective and asking questions. Let's push back, guys. We have to. It's important. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Будут смотреть эту информацию. Господин Турчинов, господин Яценюк, господин Тегнебок, и же с ними. Я это заявляю открыто и достоверно знаю, что это проплаченные агенты Центрального разведуправления США. Ведь мало кто знает, что основной беспредел творил господин Ахметов, Ренат Леонидович, господин Коломойский, глава Всемирного Еврейского Конгресса, господин Фирташ и же с ними. Все вот эти олигархи. А теперь это просто прямая оккупация Соединенными Штатами Украины через подставных лиц. 